Hey, Madison Story Slam. It's me, Adam, your host. It's been a while. I hope your summer is good. We've been enjoying our little two-month break that we have in the months of June and July. You know, we're coming back in August. August 19th is our first Story Slam back for the 2017-2018 season. And we are very excited. The theme on that Saturday, August 19th, is going to be the good, the bad, and the awkward. So bring your great stories about times that things were good, things were bad, and maybe sometimes things were kind of weird. Or awkward, like the title says, really. Um, so this, uh, this episode is from our May Story Slam, the last one of the 2017 season, or 2016-2017 season, forgive me. We've got some great stories. The theme was death, sex, and money. So on this first episode of that theme, uh, there are some great stories about death, sex, and money. Sometimes all three. It was really great. Uh, our first storyteller is somebody who we all know and love. His name is Marty, but he goes by Meat Man. So buckle in, grab a drink, whatever you do, and get ready to hear a great story from Marty the Meat Man Sosnowski. This is going to be weird. You can't hang on to this thing. So, how about what Adam has done with, the, with getting this together and the GoFundMe page and all that? Again, it's awesome. This would be great if we put this on the radio. Well, tonight's story, I'm going to cover the sex theme. Now, do we, do we have any virgins in the house? Then you all have the same story that I have, and this is about the first time. And, you know, sometimes I look back on my life and I go, what a crazy life this is. But when you hear this story and when I think back on this, I think, well, it was kind of a no-brainer. It was kind of destiny that this was going to work out this way. So I'm 15 years old. My parents, I'm, I'm kind of, I've been, a lot of you know, a lot of you have heard my story, so you know I was a little punk. And my parents weren't very happy with me. My dad came up with this great idea that he thought that if he put me to work for a summer, that that would kind of straighten me out. So they, so they sent me off to go to work, and I went over to Kewanee, Wisconsin, and I'm driving a charter boat for a fishing guy. Now, this was in the days when you could drink when you were 18, and I'm 15. I moved to this town. The driver's licenses didn't even have pictures on them then, so it was so easy. Most Everyone in this town just thought I was of age because I was living there, and I was working, and so I was in and out of the bars and just having a great time, and... I don't know what my parents were thinking, but it wasn't going the way they thought. So, so one night, this is, this is so fucking crazy. It's getting towards the end of the year, and I have to go home pretty soon. And we're having this big party, and it's about 3 in the morning, and I'm, and I'm at some friend's house that I know from Kiwani. And we're all sitting around, and it's about 3 in the morning, and I'm with these two girls and a couple other guys. And one of the girls is Ruthie, and Ruthie's 23. Now, she thinks I'm 18, so we're partying, and I don't know if Ruthie really liked me or if it was just through attrition that I was the last man standing that night, because I'm pretty, I mean, I'm drunk. I'm really drunk. She's really drunk. We're the last two people sitting there, so I'm thinking, well, I started making out with Ruthie, 
And this is going okay. And so I thought, well, what the hell, man? And so I take and I put my hand between her legs, and I'm like, this is, when I, this is what my friends down south would say. This girl was hotter than a half-fucked fox in a forest fire. And so all of a sudden, Ruthie gets up, and she grabs me by the shirt, and we're heading down the hallway of this apartment, and we're going to her bedroom, and it's at this point that I realize I'm going to get laid tonight for the first time. And it's one of those moments that you know this is going to happen, and I'm, just, I'm sobering up fast because this is going to be cool. She's 23, I'm 15, this is really going to be something. So we go into the bedroom and Ruthie just starts whoop off with her clothes and it's at this point that I realize this probably isn't Ruthie's first time. So, <laughs> now, now most people would say Ruthie wasn't a 10, but in my world she's looking like about a 12 and a half right now. <laughs> Because this is going to be awesome. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to give you all the gory details what happened after that. It was a lot of fun. And believe me, it was something extremely interesting for a 15-year-old kid. But where the crazy part comes in is, so then I have to go back home. And about a week later, all of a sudden, man, I'm getting, things are itching. Like, golly, are you kidding me? And I'm like, you know, you're not, you're not a 15-year-old kid. You know, you're not that great at, you know, keeping clean. It does. At first, I'm thinking, ah, it's just some rash, something, you know. And I'll, then one day, I'm taking a shower, and I'm like itching, and I'm like, it comes off, and I, oh my God, that thing is alive! And I went, are you kidding me? I got the Satan sex plague. Oh my God! Grandma said this would happen if I ever got naked with a girl, and now Satan has me, because I don't know what this is. I'm 15. I don't know what this is going on. I'm like, this is thing. This is fucking crazy. And what do you do? I don't know. None of my. I know friends who weren't virgins anymore. And nothing like that happened to them. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I don't know what to do. I really don't. So. I try a few home remedies, I try picking them all off. Oh my God, they just keep coming back more and more. And I'm like, and by this point, it's getting bad. And I mean, so what do you do, you know? You don't go tell your mom, Mom, I've been banging this 23-year-old whore and we got a problem. You know, that really wasn't an option at this point. So I had one friend who I knew wasn't a virgin and I talked to him. And I said, well, what the fuck's going on? And he didn't know, he's like, I don't know. And he, and he goes, you know, my, his dad was a pharmacist. This was, this was so awesome. His dad was a pharmacist, and he said, go down and see my dad. He, you know, maybe he knows. So I go down to the pharmacy, and I, and I talk. I knew his dad, and, and I kind of fiddling around, you know, probably bought some gum, and I think he thought I was going to buy condoms or something like Zach. And, and so finally I, I told him, I go, look, I told him what was going on, and he's like, he just starts laughing. He goes, he goes kid, you got the crabs. And I'm like, well, what the fuck is that? Did Satan bring these things on her when he goes, no, he goes, it's like, fuck it. He goes, it's like head lice, only it's down there. And I'm like, well, what do I do now? And he's going, go to aisle four. And he said, there's some, he said, if you really want to take care of it, he sold me this stuff called blue star ointment. He said, just rub it on. He said, it'll make your nuts a little hot. But he said, it'll, he said, it shit will go away like you can't believe. And sure enough, a couple days, boom, gone. Woo! Save! Satan is gone! So, now what do you think happens next? So, this guy that I was working for, he still needed some help once in a while on the weekends. So he called me up one weekend and he goes, yeah, he says, I need you to drive. And I'm like, okay, cool. 
And he goes, you know, Ruthie was asking about you. He said, he said, do you want me to tell her like how old? And I go, don't tell Ruthie nothing, man. Don't tell her nothing. So I grabbed my blue star ointment. Off I go. And guess who went back for more? Woo! Thank all of you. Thanks, everyone, for coming. Thank you, Marty. I think I can say with uh, like 100% confidence that that's the first crab story we've had at Madison Story Slam. We're going to hear from our next storyteller. Uh, and I am expecting big things out of this story. And his name is Zachary Shea. So please clap for Zachary Shea. I've talked so much about sex in this room, it felt inappropriate for me not to jump on that one. But on the other hand, I was like, what, what do I what do? I Because do? it's always been like, here's the topic, how do I make it work so I can tell one of my weird, embarrassing sex stories? So. I've always thought of my sort of sexual growth as an adult, um, it, it's, it's kind of like Star Wars. Like there was that initial one and I'm Luke and I kind of understand there is the force and it works, but I didn't really know what I was doing the first time around and unfortunately neither did my partner. So we were having this weird, gross virgins like this is what we think it's supposed to look like. It, it, was, it was bad, it was wrong. It's, every part of it. So it wasn't until college that I met Yoda. Um, <laughs> what, I, I will just continue to call her Yoda. She was the, the first, I would say, experienced sexual partner I had, and because I had only ever had sex with another virgin, I, it was a whole nother experience for me. And I had that embarrassing moment where we got sexual for the first time and she looked at me and she was just like, could you adjust? But her eyes said, you have no idea what you're doing, do you? And it was a little embarrassing because she, the look was like, we go through this in high school. And I was like, do we? <laughs> I didn't really even kiss a girl. I didn't even really, I didn't even kiss a girl. Until the summer before college, I had always sort of been a late bloomer and all those sorts of things. I wasn't really a party guy, which probably affected it, and I got ditched at prom. So I'm really inexperienced. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so she's kind of showing me how it's done. Like every, she's nice about it. I had, I had a good Yoda. She wasn't like Yoda on my back, making me like run and like, I didn't have to lift the full X wing. That was the female orgasm. The first try we took baby steps and you could tell that every time she wasn't exactly getting everything she wanted to out of it. And as you can imagine, that was very uncomfortable for me. Every time I asked her, I was like, did you get there? And she said, no. And I'm like, should we keep going? And she was like, no. <laughs> I didn't know how to respond to that. 
So as I'm trying to figure out how things work, um, I'm, I'm learning her little ticks, and I think I'm getting them right. And not to be too graphic, but I'm, lear I'm learning that she likes, you know, rougher over gentler. I'm learning specific motions I'm supposed to make. She's also taller than me, so I'm learning the angles I have to manage to actually get it to happen. I don't know why, but every time I've had sex with a taller girl, it feels like more of a workout than someone who's shorter than me. But I think I'm actually getting the hang of it because she's starting to have more involuntary responses and she's starting to tell me that she's getting closer and closer. And that was really exciting for me. And I think that I finally got it. So we've been, at this point, sleeping with each other for a couple months. And I think that I know what I'm going to do that night. There was, we were in college and you know, I had a set schedule of when I could and couldn't see her, so I just sort of knew, like, the weather forecast was sex again. Because <laughs> it was a Wednesday, and that's when our schedules lined up. Um, and I get to her room, and we start going. And I think I'm doing real well. And based off of her responses, it, it seems like I'm doing real well. She seems a lot closer than she normally is, or at least what I assume, but as we're going, we get to a moment where she grabs me and she throws me off and starts to masturbate. Okay, so to be fair, this was the first, like, live masturbation I've ever seen another human being perform. So maybe I don't have a good sense of this, but it seemed really violent. Like, her hands were moving very fast. It was like watching, like, a really professional piano player hit the same key. Just over and over and over again, and I don't know how I'm supposed to jump in to help. I don't know how to tag in. And it's taking her a long time. And when I say a long time, like, I know five minutes isn't that long, but it's a long time to watch someone masturbate and not be a part of it. <laughs> when you're both aware of each other's presence, I don't know. <laughs> so I just sort of ask, I say, do, do you need any help? <laughs> and she goes, no, 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 no. And she goes for another... I mean, what felt like 20 minutes. It was probably like five extra minutes. I'm probably being a bit of, but like five minutes. And then she stops. And I go, what's wrong? And she lost it. And all I could think was, so you have this problem too. <laughs> so I left sort of a quiet pause there because you can edit this out if you want to. It's not, no, I didn't, she's still alive. That's not what happened. 
Nothing nefarious happens that shouldn't go on. Wow, if you go on the radio, I really have to like take these down a notch. But the reason I left the possum, because you can edit this out, this feels like a weird confession to make because it has nothing to do with the story. So this Friday, I lost my job recently, and I've been thinking about a lot of stuff because of it. And one of the things I've been thinking about is where I'm going to be in the next couple months, like geographically, um, because it feels like I'm, I don't know. The reason I went into this is because I'm thinking about all the things in Madison that matter to me, and I just wanted to tell all of you guys Adam for running this and everyone else for coming and for participating and doing it. I really love you guys. You are amazing and I've met so many lovely people through this and I hope this isn't my last one but I just don't know and I don't want to leave it regretting not saying that and when I say I mean that I love you guys. You are amazing. <laughs> And you have all affected my life for the better, and we're gonna leave another quiet pause in case Adam wants to edit this out. Thank you. <laughs> I think Zach's goal was to try and make me cry just now. <laughs> he got really, really close. But I'm made of steel, damn it! I'm not editing that out, but it's definitely not going on the radio. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, sorry for any church friends that I have here tonight. Anyway, uh, our next storyteller is Melinda Pine, so please clap for Melinda Pine! I've been informed that I'm close enough, so we're good. <laughs> when I heard that the theme tonight was death, sex, and money, I went, wow, that sounds really heavy. I think I'll tell something that's, you know, a little funnier, a little lighter, and so naturally, I'm going with the story of when I was falsely accused of murder, question mark? Don't worry, that's a pretty clickbaity title. <laughs> so, this was a couple of, a few weeks ago, um, I, <laughs> I went to, um, I went to visit some friends in Milwaukee. I went to college in Milwaukee, so a lot of my friends are there. Um, and so, I had made some plans to uh, meet up with uh, my best friend Marissa and with some of my other friends that live out there. Um, but I had told uh, my friend Marissa that I was going to meet her for coffee. And she said, okay, well that sounds great. Um, I need to go visit my horse, because she has a horse. Um, and then I'll let you know when I'm ready to head out and get coffee with you. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll hang out in Milwaukee, do some shopping, just let me know when you're ready. She's like, okay, I'll text you, great, awesome. So I go to Milwaukee, I do some shoe shopping because um, there's a shoe store that I like out there. Um, and then I still had some time to kill because she was still out by her horse. Um, and so, 
Time to kill. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that was a bad pun. Um, and um, so I still had some time, and so I found out that in Brookfield, which is kind of close to where I was, um, there is a Sally's Beauty Supply and an Ulta Beauty Shop um, right across the parking lot from each other. And now I don't wear a lot of makeup on a regular basis. I'm wearing some tonight because I knew I was going to be on stage. If I am going on a first date or something, I'll wear some makeup, but I don't really get into the makeup scene all that much normally. So, but if you know me well, you know that I love, and I mean love, nail polish. So, I go into the Sally's and I'm shopping around and I get some nail polish and then I'm like, okay, I've still got some time, I'll go check out the Ulta. And so, I'm wandering around in Ulta, I'm like texting Marissa saying, hey, how long do you have? And she's like, I'm still out by my horse. I'm like, okay, I'll just wander around in here for a while. She's like, I should be heading home soonish, and then I should be ready. And I was like, okay, great. So I'm wandering around Ulta, and I find these two nail polishes that I'm, like, obsessed with. I'm not going to bore you with the details now <laughs> um, of what they were. Um, but so I pick them up, and I'm wandering around the store. And um, when I do my nail polish, I usually use, like, a little concealer brush to clean up around the, um, around the edges, around the cuticles, um, in case some gets in there. And so I'm looking for a concealer brush, and while I'm walking around the store, I hear this noise, and I'm like, what was that? Because it was like this really subtle, like, clinking noise. And I'm like, what was that? And so I look around at the display, I'm like, did I just, like, step on something? Did I you know, like hit something with my knee or something and didn't realize it. Did I like make a display fall down or something? And there's nothing there. And I'm like looking all around me. And then all of a sudden I look down and I realize that the two polishes that um, I'm holding in my hand, one of them had cracked open. And now is the time in the story where I tell you the color of the polish that had opened. It had like cracked, like broken. The bottle had broken. Um, and it was this, it was the one I'm wearing tonight, which if you can't see it, it's um, like a red sparkly polish. And so it's this like red polish with like red glitter inside. Like those are the two parts of the polish. And so I'm walking, I'm like running up to the um, front of the store, and I'm like, I don't know what to do at this point. I'm completely speechless because I've never seen a nail polish bottle actually break. And so I'm like, what the hell do I do? Do I have to pay for this? Like, is it a you break it, you buy it thing? Like, how did this happen? What the hell's going on? And so I'm like panicking a little bit, and I'm running up to the store, and meanwhile, I'm like, I've got my hand like cupping under it, trying to catch the drips. And so I run up to the front of the store, and the poor employees at Ulta, they see me panicking with red coming from my hands. And they're going, and the lady, I swear, she stands there and she's like, oh God. And because <laughs> she thinks I'm bleeding out of my hands. And she, like, you see the color kind of trickle out of her face. And she looks like she's about to pass out. And she like 
freaks out and calls her manager. She's like, Ashley, Ashley, Ashley. And I'm making up that name because I don't remember the manager's name, but um, Ashley comes over and, uh, the, and Ashley sees me, sees the um, nail polish all over my hands, also thinks it's blood because she hasn't seen the glitter yet. I get up to the front of the counter and the one employee that called over the manager is like, oh, it's just nail polish. <laughs> and you see the color come back to her face. She's like, grab the acetone. And they go, um, the manager is like, oh, okay. She runs back to the uh, back of the store, grabs some acetone, and like, I don't know if you remember like in elementary school when like a kid pukes and they have the powder that they put on it. They brought some of that out to help clean up. Thought that was kind of odd. Um, and they, um, they clean it up. They do a great job cleaning it up. They like soak my sweatshirt. My, the, by this point, the nail polish is all over the front of my phone, which it was fine. We cleaned it up and it was fine. Um, the thing with nail polish is if you, if it's dry, it's not coming out. If it's wet, you can clean it out with acetone. So they got it in time that everything was cleaned out. However, that's the nail polish part of this. There's still red glitter everywhere because glitter doesn't go away. And so I, you know, I'm completely embarrassed at this point. We're just cleaning up with that acetone. And um, they did an excellent job, like, handling the situation. And I walk out of the store, still covered in glitter, but we got the mess cleaned up of nail polish anyway. And um, while we're cleaning up, I get this text from Marissa saying, hey, I'm ready. And I'm like, well, I can't answer that because my phone is covered in nail polish, so, um, that, but that's probably her. Um, so I get my phone screen cleaned up and I start driving. And there's, at this point, glitter all over my steering wheel, just everywhere, just red glitter everywhere. And so I get to um, the coffee shop where we're going to have coffee, and I sit down, and I've got my hands in my pockets because I'm completely embarrassed, and she, and I sit down across from her, the waiter brings out the menu because we were going to have some food with it, whatever. Um, so we, the waiter brings out the menu. And I'm like, oh, now I have to open the menu. So I take my hands out of my pockets, and Marissa sees my hands. She goes, holy shit, Melinda, what did you do? Murder a unicorn? <laughs> Thank you. Hey, I bet you're enjoying these great stories from our May event where the theme was death, sex, and money. A lot of great stories that night, and you'll be sure to hear some more here pretty quick. But I want to tell you about something else. Maybe you have a story to share and you're not quite sure how to do that. Well, we at Madison Story Slam have recently teamed up with a company called Mortarbox Media. Mortarbox Media is a local company to Madison that does podcasts for other companies and individuals who are looking to, I don't know, build an audience and uh, build, build a relationship with their current audience. There's something unique about audio-only content that really does establish an intimate relationship with the consumers of that content. So Mortarbox Media will let you use their equipment. They will help you come up with the concept to reach your target audience. They will do all of the recording and all of the editing. All of it's mobile for them so they can meet you wherever. 
They've got professional equipment and people who know what they're doing. So if you want to start a podcast, whether you're a business or an individual, go to mortarboxmedia.com. That's M-O-R-T-A-R, Mortarbox Media. Anyway, let's go back to the stories. Our next storyteller, it's his triumphant return to Story Slam. It's been like four or five months since he's told a story or been here. And uh, the last time he did, it was really good. So uh, I'm expecting a lot, just so you know. And uh, his name is Bradley Glassell. So please clap your hands for Bradley Glassell. You totally blew it. All you had to do was say Bradley Glassell, and you would have had that loud of a cheer. I just want to say everybody's giving Adams kudos for doing this. He's actually making a lot of money off of this. <laughs> all right, death, sex, and money, right? Well, I'm going to touch on all three, so am I counting my money right off the bat because I'm going to win automatically, you said, right? Well, it's not one story, so that's cheating, and I'm going to, I'm going to go in reverse order. So. Well, you called it my triumphant return. People have called it something else, but I have uh, stated before that when I was 19 years old, I got fired for a job, from a job, and I decided my brilliant plan was to jump in a car and move to California. So, you know, because that always works out great. So I had uh, driven out there and met up with a friend, and uh, I started working in Santa Monica, and so we put, again, this brilliant plan together to move to Venice, California. Has anybody here ever been to Venice, California? One of the weirdest places in the United States, correct? Am I right? It's actually in contention for the weirdest place in the world. So we decided to move there. For those of you who haven't been to Venice, it is very, very odd. Uh, like one example of that is, now this was in the late 70s, and you could uh, live in a house and there would be like a million dollar house and next door would be a small house with like three families living in it. And during the weekend, there'd be movie stars hanging out and stuff. And then on uh, nights, they'd be patrolling with helicopters of the high crime. So just a total dichotomy of everything going on. And so uh, we were one of these people who lived in this house with three families, sort of. So it was like four guys that rented this house. And when I say four guys, there were four guys paying to live in the house. So uh, we had this house, and people would come and go in that. And we'd sit around. What we like to do for fun is sit around and do chemical experiments. Well, actually, it's experiment with chemicals, but that's... <laughs> Meat man, you don't know anything about that, do you? No, you don't. So, so we would sit around at night and, and just you know, sit around and at... And, one night we got this call and somebody picks up the phone and answers it and they're like, well, no, no, you, you got the wrong number and hangs up and a couple minutes later, same call, no, no, you got the wrong number. The next night, same thing. And so one night I pick up the phone and it's, hi, uh, is this Buddy Squirrel's Tree Service? I'm like, well, no, no, it's not. Oh, oh okay, sounds good. Well, basically what happened is the Yellow Pages made a mistake and Buddy Squirrel's tree service had taken out a full page yellow page ad and put in the wrong number and it was our number. <laughs> <laughs> so we started getting calls for Buddy Squirrel's tree service constantly. Well, you're sitting around doing chemical experiments at night 
And so very soon we started answering the phone, Buddy Squirrel's Tree Service, can I help you? <laughs> and so it, they'd say, well, yeah, yeah, I need this big tree cut down. And they're like, oh, we don't really cut down big trees. We don't do that. Well, I was actually one of the few people in this house that actually had a job. And all of a sudden these minds started working and they're like, well, people are calling and wanting to hire us. And, and one of the things I guess tree services do is do like clean up and, and th you know, clean out garages and things like that. So one night somebody calls and we answer, hi, buddy, squirrels, tree service, can I help you? And uh, the guy says, well, yeah, my, my father died and uh, we need this garage cleaned out. So the guy goes, okay, great, I can be over there at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning and we'll go ahead and check it out. So a couple of the guys go over there and one of them has a truck and they walk up and, you know, the guy says, well, that'll be, uh, I don't know, $400. Sounds good. So they go ahead and pay him. Well, it, it was really kind of an interesting thing because it turned out that this garage was full of stuff. This guy's dad was the very long-term manager of the Venice Theater. Now, if you go back a long time ago when you'd have movie premieres, they'd have them at theaters, and movie stars would come there for these premieres, and this garage was packed full of memorabilia. So these guys took this memorabilia and took it and sold it for a lot of money, so they like made a lot of money off it. So all of a sudden, they were in the Buddy Squirrel Tree Service business. They were gonna make a lot of money on it. Well, of course, over time, reality sets in, they actually have to get up in the morning and do work and stuff like that, and you know, starts to sour a little. And then one night we're sitting around and phone rings, and of course we answer, hello, Buddy Squirrel's Tree Service, can I help you? And who's on the other line? Buddy Squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> and Buddy Squirrel is pissed. <laughs> He's like, I am Buddy Squirrel. Well, his name wasn't Buddy Squirrel. I don't remember what it was, but he was pretty mad at that. So, so that's basically when the whole Buddy Squirrel thing started to fall apart. They went back and forth like, well, screw you, man. You know, it's our phone number. It's too bad. You sue the Yellow Pages and all this. And, you know, he wasn't buying that. I'm going to sue you. And, of course, he figured out that these were guys sitting around doing chemical experiments, so there really wasn't anything to sue over anyways, so, you know, he wasn't going to get anything. So I think he made some deal where he gave them, like, 10 bucks every call or something like that. So, so that was uh, pretty much the end of Buddy Squirrel's tree service. So uh, that ends my money section of this, this talk. So, so next I'm going to uh, move on to the sex part of the talk. So uh, my, uh, Alicia, my wife, Alicia, can you stand up, please? <laughs> I call Alicia my trophy wife. Uh, only be, and basically the second part of that is I'm going to quote Jim Gaffigan, I tricked her into marrying me. So the rest of the story is up to you. I'm done with the sex part. So. I tricked you, didn't I, huh? So, thought that was going to be really good, didn't you? All right. So, I'm going to move on to the death part. So, uh, up until a few years ago, Alicia and I lived, we live in Lake Mills, but we lived in Lake Mills, and we had a house on what's called the Mill Pond there. So, it's basically a pond that connects to Rock Lake. So, it's this pond that's quiet water, has a lot of weeds in it. And so, we had a dock, and I was putting in a 
like boat shelter. I had a boat there and that, and I was putting in a boat shelter. So I was out there one early summer day. I'm working on this. I'm sweating and that, and you know, there's all these critters flying around, and and there were these young birds flying around. I think they were starlings, but I'm not sure. But one, they're flying around and chatting and chattering, and I'm working, and all of a sudden, boom! One slams right into this boat shelter I was working on and drops down into the water. And I'm like, holy cow! And I see it fluttering in the water. And then all of a sudden, I see these two lines in the top of the water moving towards the bird. And I'm like, wow, this is like National Geographic. And I'm thinking, you know, what do we got here? Is he muskrats or, you know, what, what, what is this that's moving towards it? And I'm standing there watching, and all of a sudden, this frog comes up and grabs the bird. I'm like, it was like a dinosaur frog or something like that. I don't know this thing, you know. And it, can you imagine it? A frog grabs this bird and starts dragging this bird under the water. And another frog comes over and starts dragging this bird. I mean, what is the frog thinking? I mean, can frogs eat birds? Is anybody out there naturalists? I don't know. I don't know. So, so he starts dragging the bird, and, and I'm like, well, what do I do? You know, this is part of nature. Do I save the bird, or, you know, is this the natural order of things that birds, you know, get eaten by frogs? I don't know. You know, so, so anyways, I, I let it kind of happen, blah, blah, blah. I tried saving a bird, and, you know, I did mouth the beak and all that kind of stuff, and it didn't work. So, so anyways, so, so uh, that's really the end of the death part, but I'm going to end on one final note. It's my best favorite Stephen Wright joke, and that would be, I would kill for a Nobel Peace Prize. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Bradley. Our next storyteller is a man who's very special to me. Uh, last weekend I bought him a pinball machine because uh, he's like the best dad I've ever had. And I just gave away who he is. He's my father. So please clap for David Rostad. And it is a great pinball machine, a 1963 Gottlieb. And so if you know anything about pinball machines, that is an amazing, amazing machine. Um, what a broad uh, list of topics we have here tonight. I, I thought about standing up and just saying this, I hate death, I love sex, <laughs> and I need money. No, I really need money. <laughs> so, Adam, could you take your hat off and pass it around and have it fill, filled up for me at this point in time? May 17th was uh, uh, Norwegian Constitution Day. And if any of you have any Norwegian heritage, you celebrated it in some way, in some shape, some form. And I always remember that day because uh, my grandparents uh, were Norwegian immigrants, and my grandmother, I, although I hardly knew her, uh, never spoke English. She only spoke Norwegian. And they went to a Norwegian-speaking church until uh, the late 1950s, and so she never interacted with anybody. And so my dad grew up speaking uh, Norwegian as well as English and uh, flunked the first grade because he couldn't speak English as well. well I talk about my dad because uh, 14 years ago, uh, my father passed away. And 
Norwegian Constitution Day was one day before uh, his birthday. And uh, he would have been 97 years old on uh, May uh, uh, 18th. And so when I think about death, the most significant part of, of death had been my, my father's death. And so 14 years ago or so, in the month of August, uh, my dad passed away, and it was probably the most traumatic event of my entire life. I was uh, with him in uh, the uh, living room of the, my home that I grew up in as a child, and he was in a hospital bed, and we were all there. I mean, everybody was there. I was the one designated that night to stay up and uh, attend to him if he needed any assistance, any help in any way, and I was also the one uh, that he, uh, he asked repeatedly for pain medicine for. And so I was one who provided him with uh, pain medicine that kept him uh, from, uh, from suffering uh, through the night. It was about 5 a.m. in the morning that he passed away. And uh, it was so appropriate because at 5 a.m. in the morning would have been the very time of the day when, when usually my father would get up uh, and get ready for work. He was a bricklayer, and as he'd go out to, uh, uh, to ply his trade, he would go out and he would, uh, he would uh, do that. But at about 5 a.m. in the morning, and my bedroom was right off of the kitchen, and and I would hear my mom frying eggs and frying bacon and, and making coffee and packing his lunch. And I'd, I'd hear him uh, give her a little peck as he went out the door. And, uh, and so it was so appropriate that, that he passed away uh, at that particular time in the morning. And I wrote uh, uh, three pages of dialogue with him about that, uh, that, uh, that early morning uh, as well. It was a tough day. It was very difficult for everybody involved, and, and it was particularly traumatic uh, for me. I don't really remember what took place the rest of the day. I really, I really don't know. But at some point in the evening, and it was uh, you know, getting dark, and so I know it was evening, and I just wanted to be alone. I just wanted to be apart from everybody else. So I went out and bought a six pack of beer and took my dad's 87 Scottsdale truck, which was rusted through and my kids all called the beast because they all got the opportunity to, to drive it throughout their years of uh, driving and school. And I took my dad's 87 Scottsdale and I, I went to Token Creek Park with my six pack of beer. Now if you know anything about Token Creek Park, it's this beautiful expanse of park. And if you know anything else about Toten Creek Park, it's also where elderly or older gay men troll for <laughs> hookups. I figured, no big deal, right? I mean, I'm this big, strapping, strong-looking, heterosexual man, and nobody's going to bug me, nobody's going to harass me. And so I, I pull up into one of my favorite rest areas of uh, Token Creek Park, and uh, I put the tailgate down on the brown Scottsdale, 1987 Scottsdale truck, and, and I pull out my six-pack, and I, uh, they had twist-off caps, and I start twisting off caps and, and having a beer. And there is two other cars in this area, but nobody else is around in any way. But 
as I'm drinking my first beer out of the bushes comes this one guy who's a little taller and, uh, you know, a big guy and, and he gets in and he comes up and he jumps in his car and he takes off. And then there's this other guy and he has a really nice expensive Mercedes sitting there next to my 1987 brown Scottsdale truck. And he, and it, I mean, it's got rust and it's, it's really in bad shape. And, and I'm sitting on the tailgate and he comes over and he goes, hey, what are you here for? And I said, well, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I don't want to tell the guy my life story, and I don't want to tell him that my dad just died, and that I'm there to kind of drown my anxieties and my, my sorrows a little bit and just be alone. And, and so he sits down beside me, and he, he begins to uh, hit on me. And he reaches over, and he goes, wow, those are nice, thick wrists. <laughs> I go, and I never really noticed that before, but okay. And he goes, well, you know, I, 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 could, I could really help you out here. And I go, well, uh, 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 I'm not sure what you mean. He goes, well, you know, I mean, I, he says, I love to give blowjobs. I looked at him and I said, I am 100% heterosexual. And I'm not offended by what you're asking me or telling me or offering me, but it's just not my thing, okay? I am 100% heterosexual. He goes, well, that doesn't matter. I am, I am grieving, okay? I'm grieving. And this guy is trying to get me to go back out in the bushes and pull down my pants and, yeah. <laughs> so after many times of him admiring the thickness of my wrists <laughs> and commenting, quite extensively on it, I finally said to him, I said, you know, I really just want to be left alone. I said, my father died at 5 a.m. this morning, and I'm here to just think, remember him, have a beer in his honor, and celebrate who he is. And then this happened. We started talking about our dads together. And he started telling me about his dad who had died. And we started connecting as real people over a love that we had for our fathers. Offered him a beer, sat and drank with him, shared our stories together. Beer was over, six pack was gone. I said, I, I guess I need to go now. And then he offered one more time to give me a blowjob. <laughs> Which I did not accept.
Yeah, right. <laughs> I had never heard that story before. And I really wasn't quite sure where it was going. <laughs> Our next storyteller asked me not to use his last name, so I'm not going to. But please put your hands together for Brad. In second grade, uh, I submitted a story that I had written uh, to the August Derleth writing competition, which at that time was held in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, and my parents and family and I, we all went to this uh, conference. And, uh, and I was so excited that my story was selected as one, as one of the outstanding uh, pieces for folks in, in my grade, my, my grade level of, of second grade. Uh, so we got this really cute badge uh, on our thing, and I remember looking at it on the table and being like, I'm, I was really um, proud of, of the work that I had done. And we also got this really cool t-shirt, uh, a very bright t-shirt that we got to, to wear. And for me at the time, it was, uh, it was like a nightie. It w I would wear it, you know, it'd, it'd go down to like my knees or like my ankles uh, in second grade. The t-shirt was very large. It was the smallest, I think we were late to show up, and so we got kind of the last options for, um, for sh shirt sizes. And so my mom was like, you know, you can just wear it as an ID, it'll be fine, and uh, you'll grow into it. And, uh, and I did. Uh, so as I went from second grade and, and moved on, and as I moved into my early teen years, the shirt became a, a shirt that I could wear uh, anywhere. I could wear it out. It fit me like a, a, a regular shirt would. And uh, as I went into my early teen years, obviously other things happen. Uh, hormones start to kick in uh, and, you know, people get to, you begin the exploration of your own body and communication about relationships and feelings and coming to know your own sexuality and your gender. Uh, and so for me, um, I was coming home from work one day, I think it was maybe uh, 14, 14 years old, 15 years old, and I get done and I was doing outdoor work, so I was pretty exhausted um, and I remember walking into the house and my mom was doing some laundry and I just said, hey, and she's like, hey, how was work? And I was like, it was fine. Uh, and I went upstairs, so I, I went upstairs to the second floor where my bedroom was and I went inside my bedroom and uh, I was tired, but I'm, I, I, again, I still had those hormones raging for a while, so I, I closed my door and I decided to spend some time, uh, some personal time. Uh, <laughs> getting to know myself a little bit better. And, um, and so as I was uh, in, enjoying myself, I, uh, I reached uh, a point, uh, uh, the pinnacle uh, of, of what I was trying to achieve. <laughs> and I heard that dreaded noise that one never wants to hear in that moment. And that is my mother stepped on the first step to come up the stairs. And I knew at that particular moment, there was no going back. Uh, so I was very um, aware, and yet there was a lot happening. And so I was like, oh my gosh. I, uh, and I was looking around, because I, I had to clean up. So I was like, what am I going to do? And, I'm, and again, next step, next step. And I think she was carrying a laundry basket just because of the way that the steps, you know, she was kind of going up the steps. 
uh, a little bit slower, kind of like drugging a huge, you know, uh, laundry hamper with her. And as she got towards the top, I'm, I'm like in all-out panic mode at this point. So I'm, I'm, I know because she's going to stop by each of the rooms and drop off the laundry from each, you know, for, for, for each member of the family. And so I am cleaning up quickly by grabbing the only thing I can see, and it's a, it's a shirt. So I grab the shirt and I do what I need to do, and I'm like, what am I going to do with this? Because she's going to come in in 10 seconds. I, I, she's good, and my mom's one of those folks who cleans up pretty well, so like she, would, she could look under the bed. So I'm like, all right, I can't toss it there. I can't put it in the laundry bay because she might grab that and take the dirty laundry with her. And I'm running out of options, and I see in front of me my dresser. And this dresser is an old oak dresser. It's a dark oak, and it's got really intricate um, details on the side, and it's, and it's got an open bottom. So the bottom is raised up a few inches from the ground. And my first thought was, there's no way she can move the dresser. I can store this there. And so I go in a sprint out of my bed, shove the t-shirt in the very upper corner of the bottom of the dresser, and I'm, you know, I take a quick look. I'm like, okay, all right, I'm all right. Uh, and I pretend to look out the window or something. I don't know, ridiculous. <laughs> and my mom comes immediately to my room first saying, here's your laundry. And I'm like, thanks. Uh, and I'm just looking out the window and I'm sure at that point, my mom's thinking, what in the, okay. Uh, and she doesn't hang around that long and, and, and she leaves. And uh, so this moment, again, it sticks with me obviously a long time because you, you have those moments where your heart is racing and you're, you know, you're nervous and you're a little ashamed. You can't figure out, there's not really a discussion anyone's having about this, uh, especially when I was growing up and where I was growing up. So fast forward about 10 years, I'm in college uh, actually, I just graduated college, and my mother calls me. She says, hey, uh, we're moving. And I said, what? She's, she's like, yeah, we're moving. I'm like, you sold the house. And she's like, yeah. Uh, that means you and your brother got to come and pick up a bunch of your old belongings. We put them in tubs for you, so you can just pick them up and you can go. I say, all right. Um, so I make the drive. It's a five-hour drive, and I get in, and... Uh, you know, I pull out the tubs, I go up the stairs to my bedroom, and my mom's got the four tubs laid out, and so I'm, you know, I'm opening them and seeing, like, Ooh, oh, do you remember this, and oh, do you remember this, and I was like, oh, cool, like, there's some, you know, my baby blankets, and there's just some really, you know, cool things are in there. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so I take the tubs downstairs, uh, and uh, I've got all the tubs laid out downstairs and getting ready to load them in my car. Uh, and my mom says, hey, you know, did you check the rest of the room, make sure you're good to go, um, that there's nothing else up there? Because next week, you're not, you know, we're, we're getting rid of everything. And I said, okay. So I went back upstairs, and I walk into my bedroom, and I go underneath my bed, and uh, I'm just making sure, because the closet's cleaned out, there's nothing in there. So I'm like, well, maybe there's something underneath the bed I didn't check there. And there's an old fire escape we have in there, the old, like, kind of rolled up ones that are metal that you'd throw out the second door balcony to crawl down. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat. Uh, I'm like, but I don't need it, so I'll just keep it here for the next family. Um, and I look, and there's like old um, kind of like uh, window frames that are sitting in the bottom that I think we were going to do an art project with at some point. And so I'm finicking around there, and there's really nothing else under there. And so as I'm sliding to the end of the bed where the bed skirt is, um, the bed skirt kind of, I, as I'm moving one of the windows, it kind of comes up a little bit. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this bright flash across the room. I'm like, what, what is that? So I, I get out and I'm like, oh. So I go by the dresser and I 
get down on the ground, and I look down underneath the dresser, and the entire moment comes back to me <laughs> in a huge wave. And in my horror, I realize I forgot about the shirt that I used to assist 10 years ago. So, I, I just cannot believe it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, and I'm listening. Now my heart's starting to race again. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, nobody knows about this. Like, oh, no one even touched it. So I pull it out and you can imagine, crinkle, 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 crinkle. <laughs> and as I look down, I see the very t-shirt that I won back in second grade. And in those letters, it says, I can write. Thanks, Brad. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what I expected when I chose this theme. I mean, I kind of expected that, but... Like, I knew there would be some dirty laundry aired tonight, but I didn't think that, like, literally, there would be dirty laundry. Ah, uh, yes, Dirty Laundry, one of our old themes at Story Slam. You can go back in our old episodes and find the Dirty Laundry ones. A uh, lot of great stories on that one. A lot of great stories on this episode. Uh, the first half of our night doing death, sex, and money stories. There will be another episode to come in about a week. Hey, we are coming back. The 2017-2018 season of Madison Story Slam will be back at the Wilmar Center August 19th. That's Saturday, August 19th. And the theme is the good, the bad, and the awkward. So be sure to come and check that out. Like us on Facebook. And hey, one of the best ways that you can help us do what we continue to do, or continue to do what we do, is to go to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. That helps other people discover the podcast, discover Madison Story Slam, and it also gives us feedback to see what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. We want to know. So yeah, find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And then rate and review us in iTunes. Big thanks to Mortarbox Media for helping with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs>